So, I mean, I, I hope that's, like, sustainable for them. I don't know if it is, but it'd be cool if it was because I'd like to see this team continue to to upset expectations. And, hey, uh, if uh, this whole NACL thing doesn't work out, Dragoon might make a, a fortune on um, brain rot meme edits of League of Legends clips. I, I don't know if he's the one who made that uh, <laughs> that response to Winnie, but uh, that video is just is just peak League of Legends the content. Right was good. It, it was definitely good. Uh, Welcome back, everybody, to the Salt Mine. This is Season 2, Episode 5, or Season 3, Episode 5, actually, as yeah, we've been going split by split. We're following uh, Euphoria rules, and this is the second time we've okay. recorded this intro because we were missing audio, and yet I still didn't check if this is actually Episode 5. I think it's Episode 5, <laughs> so we're going to roll with that. Gordo here. I'm joined by TDS and Slayer, and we're going to do a little bit of a mid-season spectacular uh, just to get everybody up to speed, we've just crossed over the week four mark, which is halfway through the season in terms of time elapsed. It is 21 matches completed, 24 matches to go, so a little bit less than half match count-wise. Uh, but figure we get everybody up to speed before NACL is going to take over the LCS time slot for this upcoming weekend, maybe get some new eyes on the league. I am hearing rumors that LCS is going to be doing something. Who knows what that is? Definitely the place to be is going to be NACL to check out how all of these teams are doing. So figure we'll give some thoughts on all the teams. We'll, we'll catch up on. We were off last week. We had the Normology interview the week before that. So it's been a while since we've had like a normal just chatting about NACL episode. So this is as good of a chance as any to, to get caught up and chat about where all these teams are. First thing I do want to talk about is this weird schedule. Like, I, I made a rant tweet about it the other day, so I want to get your guys' input on it and, and just chat about it in this in this circumstance a little bit. Mirage Alliance has played six matches. Teams like Cincinnati Fear and AoE have played three matches each. I have no idea how we got this desynced, like how teams are playing this wide of a variety of different games. Like, I get that it can't be the same amount of matches every week. I get that you want to take over the LCS time slot during the break. I get that it, there's some weekends where it's going to be Fridays as well because you don't want to go too late for the Eastern time zone people. I, I get that 45 doesn't divide evenly into eight weeks. There's got to be some differences in the schedule. That I'm willing to forgive. But why are all the teams playing such different amounts of matches? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I really don't know. Sorry, I I remembered when we did the recording the first time. TDS smoked first off of that top, so I didn't want to I didn't want to pull a, a slayer again here. Uh, I, the only thing I would say is obviously it's it's an obvious scheduling issue, uh, but where the problems could a lot arise is like you're talking about a team like Fear and uh, AOE are now going to play a bunch going into the the yep. end of the season here, uh, and for for teams like at least Fear, I mean I'm sure we'll talk about AOE later a bit more where they're at. But teams like Fear, I, I certainly expect to be in the playoffs. So that now becomes a team that is that is probably very polished, either very polished or, you know, on a very bad skid going into the playoffs. And they'll, you know, at least have a lot more game experience going into those matchups versus a team like, you know, potentially Mirage, uh, who would, you know, play so many far less games. And then they kind of... It's kind of like the the same debate people have around sports where it's like you you win uh you get the first round by you look 
kind of rusty in your first game because the team before you played an extra playoff match. So you could run into those problems, uh, and that could be something we see later on. And well, easily was avoidable if we uh, scheduled a bit better because yeah, oh, oh and five versus one and one makes zero sense no matter how you try and slice it up. Yeah, there's no. There's no re uh, realistic reason why that would happen, like, talking about it, right? The fact that there's the discrepancy is more than three games for some of the teams even before t uh, the scheduling this week. The fact that you couldn't just make it at the very least one difference per game. Like, I understand if it's difficult to fit everything into schedule, like you were mentioning, it's 45 matches into eight weeks, okay? You can get uh, we can get behind that. But try and make it so that the difference is no more than one game. Maybe two to if if it's really really difficult maybe two but one game makes it easier to try and keep variance as minimum as possible because going into a, a week eight right there's going to be the the potential for some of the teams to only be playing what two matches i think fear um, mirage alliance plays three matches going into into the last few weeks whereas fear is going to play six matches so that so now we reach a scenario where fear has everything left to play for to try and put themselves into a good spot into in the four playoffs and then mirage alliance has barely anything to play off for yes they still can qualify technically or get out of the or more importantly get out of the relegation zone but first few weeks are known to be places where some teams struggle to try and get something out of their team right like they struggle to find identity they struggle to find ways to play around their team they struggle to find even communication avenues for themselves and they develop that going into the later weeks so fear now has a technical advantage because they've been able to work more than some of their teams and played less matches and now they will be playing the the more important part of the season with a much more cohesive team compared to mirage alliance and I, even if the playoffs implication and relegation implication are still alive to a certain degree and it makes excitement good it's not fair for teams to have this sort of discrepancy especially when it's known that initial weeks are different for a lot of teams yeah there's also the there's also the fact that i, I forgot to bring up I, I don't know how we'll see later but uh the amount of stage games since we're playing live patches here in north in north america um yep. the teams playing towards the end of the season potentially will have a lot more time on a certain patch that might change the game versus one of these other teams which just kind of compounds on what you're talking about yeah definitely and that's that also for playoffs things. right uh, I, I'm just quickly to know because playoffs may change the uh, the last patch before playoffs maybe the playoffs patch completely just because yep. of some changes that means that a team that plays the last patch before playoffs and is able to play more matches in that patch will have a leeway uh, a better understanding and a better leeway going into playoffs as well yep yeah that's that's one of those things that is like really stands out to me as well as like i i was starting to think maybe the schedule's so weird because they're trying to balance it and make sure that everybody like plays a near equal amount on each patch that's not the case at all like there's teams that didn't play on 14-1 at all i think <laughs> there's teams that won't play because it'll be 14-5 in week eight i are there teams that don't play at all in week eight i think there are um i could check really i could quick. be wrong it's possible that everybody plays week eight it's possible that they set up the schedule that way in which case props mm. to you guys uh actually supernova uh, it, plays, it does matches have fly c plays too so no there's yeah. teams well, that supernova don't play plays too fly c plays too but there's also there's six total matches so that's 12 total competitors yeah. so the fact that supernova and fly play twice 
doesn't mean the other eight still all play at least once each. Let's yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. So uh, I think everybody plays week eight. So yeah, they at least everyone did that. Plays last week. Yeah. Everybody plays week eight. That makes sense. Yeah. That avoids week seven giving, and eight actually. That avoids giving anybody an extra week of prep for playoffs. That's probably the right call. Um, yeah. But I do think, and you know, that schedule discussion I think is as good a point as any to jump into our first team here. I would like our first team to be Mirage Alliance because I think this is a team that. And it, listen, we're not Mirage Alliance fanboys here. I'm not gonna. I, I know we had Norm on the show, and I was a fan of them preseason with their uh, original roster. Um, this doesn't mean that they they hold undue influence over me, but I do think they kind of got the short end of the stick here, right? In Without regards to the fact that yeah. they made, and you know, it's their own fault that they made roster changes two days before the season started, right? That's not. That's something True. that was very controllable, but. As a team that made roster changes two days before the split started, having to have such a front-loaded schedule is really tough for them. Like they had to play, yeah. yep. you know, their their season's freaking over. Like they're they're one in five. They have three matches left to go. One of those is against Fly Challengers, so might as well be one six. I'm sorry, they're not going to beat Fly Challengers. Well, so it's like. I was gonna say really quickly, they their match versus Fly Challengers is the last regular season series yes. of the of the entire year. So yeah. if you want to pull the little shenanigans, Fly might have a locked up spot. We'll see. But yeah, yeah Maybe. your point still stands. Maybe, but I mean, like I, I don't know though because single round robin. We've talked about this before. Like the the match record and is gonna be so close. And Fly True. Challengers is already dropping random Mickey Mouse games, best of ones for no reason. So like I don't know. True. Like every. Every win matters. I don't know. We'll see what, like, Maryville looks like and stuff, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if Fly still have something to play for in the last match. It's um, a lot more likely than previous splits. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe, but I don't know. It's Assuming that that's the case and that Fly are going to try in their final match and aren't going to limit us too, too hard. Like, MA might as well already be 1-6. and six. They're probably going to, they're going to end somewhere between 1-8 and eight and 3-6, and six, and that may not be enough to get them out of relegation. Like, it's... It's a tough position for them, uh, having had such a slow start to it. They just got their first win last week uh, over AOE. Over AOE. AOE. Uh, who, who we will talk about later. But yeah, for me, <laughs> yep. like I think Mirage Alliance are kind of in like need to be in like band aid mode. They need to figure out yep. what it is that is the closest thing to working for them, and like have it ready for a very possible relegation tournament. And, you know, if they turn it around and they make playoffs, that's great for them. But I think you got to start thinking about, like, hey, how do we hold on to this spot against the promotion teams? And that's the thing. Like, thinking about potential roster changes, right? And I'm talking for everything that has happened with Mirage Alliance, both before, at this point, and maybe later. Roster changes can be, like... It always depends on what you're bringing that changes the dynamic of the team, right? And one big example of a positive change that changed the dynamic for great into great success came in the form of last split, right? Where AG got Surdy, got um, Armeo, and they just immediately ramped up. Completely changed the dynamic of the AG Challengers team and were able to turn around the situation. And that change came... Around, I think it was around uh, week six, so they still had four more weeks of play before they could actually qualify. But that's the thing. 
around that timing where when you make roster changes, you still had a you play you were playing two or I think it was one or two matches per week, right? So you still had more leeway to actually be able to get more cohesiveness uh, with the team and try and ramp up. The issue with Mirage Alliance is that roster changes came coming in two days before. They play five games uh, in the first three weeks. That means that already your ramping time is completely out of place. You're out of, of position because you don't have a ramping time. You don't have the same situation as EG Challengers where you can just take step by step and each week you get progressively better. No, you made the roster change, you have to play five games immediately. And guess what? If the roster doesn't click at the second, that means you're 0-5. And that's what happened to Mirage Alliance. Without taking into account the fact that I think they made the wrong roster changes, because I don't think it was Prismal, I think it was just get the... I think you just stay with Scooped and then play with Dardog and Will, but that's another discussion. The fact that they made the roster changes but the schedule affects them in this way makes it really difficult for the ramping up to happen. Now, that may mean that for the relegation tournament, this team will have clicked and they can look way better than they are looking now. They'll certainly have that, that option, right? Um, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to play in my head like Devil's Advocate for sneaking into a a playoff spot at the end, like Gordo was talking about. I mean, it'd be really cool. Obviously, it's probably not going to happen, but their remaining series are going to be against teams that I just are like a lot hungrier. Like we already talked about, they'll play Fly C at the end, who will likely still be playing for something, but I don't want to talk too much about their next, their other two remaining opponents because I'm sure we'll have lengthy discussions on both of these, <laughs> both of these rosters. But uh, yep. let's just say they're playing two teams that are have much, had much higher expectations and are on DefCon one with where they've been so far through the split. Uh, TLC and Disguised are the two teams they'll be playing, and uh, those two rosters are going to need those wins a lot more than Mirage will. So it's not like they're going to be getting any sort of uh, any sort of easy sort of opponents or matchups here. It's rough. They play Disguise, TLC, and Fly C to finish their uh, split. If we were talking about that at the end of last summer, we would have said they're they're uh, <laughs> they're going zero three. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think on the bright side, I, I do think their series against the AoE showed some promise. I think they are starting to kind of find what may potentially work for them. I really liked the, I mean, the Silas game for RJS. I thought he came up mm -hmm. pretty big in, uh, and then they did the, the Jace brand comp in game three that they also were able to, like, play super aggressive, really snowball, really get ahead, and just absolutely slam the game that way. Um I don't know if that's going to be exactly what they stick with, but I think that could be like an identity, you know, trying to go for the carry junglers with Will, who we know can be very aggressive and is very individually talented. And then RJS has been performing well as well. Uh, some team communication issues here and there aside uh, where he's been kind of on a different page than everybody else. Um, and then, you know, Prismal, I mean, Prism, TDS alluded to it earlier. Prismal has been rough. Prismal's had a tough run of it so far. I think he... The bot lane, both in the, both of their laning has been rough, and then the mid game and late game, like Prismal's been getting caught a lot. Uh, perhaps that's part of the reason they've given him so many Ezreal games. Um, yeah, they've really started to lean in. Like that Ezreal is still, I think, a big pick for them. Uh, was one of the champs they won on this past week. They've started giving him stuff like the Ziggs and the Senna to maybe try to change things up a little bit more. I think that might be a good idea moving forward. So we'll see. Uh, it is interesting, by the way, that he's piloting the Senna now because they were 
way back at the beginning of the season, it was like Prismal Yasuo Dardox setup. So now seems like okay. some kind of change has occurred there. Um, or maybe it just depends well, on the matchup. If you ask me, it made more sense to give uh, Dardock the one that pulls off the wacky stuff, the different champions instead of Prismal, but that's a different discussion. I will say, though, quickly, because I was checking the schedule, the, great, the greatest thing for Mirage Alliance is that, technically speaking, the opponents they will be facing are all direct opponents. Uh, when you look at standings, right? Standing-wise, yeah. it's TLC, DSG, and then, yeah, Flyc, but uh, ignore them. Like, it's TLC and DSG. Those are two victories that, with the way that both of these teams are currently, I can actually see Mirage Alliance being able to, to, to take those two. And even if it, playoffs is something that you are not reaching to try and get the farther, the farthest possible, as long as you beat those two teams, you're already putting yourself in a spot where maybe you can secure a safety net. And I think that's what Mirage Alliance should be looking for, because I'm also a believer that Flyce probably doesn't want to reveal anything big going into playoffs, especially with the last matchup being Mirage Alliance. So it doesn't matter as much for them as it would for Mirage Alliance. And I think that can make a difference as well. So, yeah. Oh, go ahead, T Slayer, if you got anything I, else. I, I was just going to add to the, uh, the Prismal Dardock discussion, um, because, you know, another champion that I think he looked relatively good on uh was actually the Jin in uh in the okay. final game against aoe and it kind of goes back to what we talked about with where we with, with support dardock what i what i thought was always gonna be the most successful was putting him on those kind of blind engaged champions the problem was a lot of the times you put him on those engaged champions you saw like you talked about prismal would dive too far forward with him get a caught a lot but with the Jin and the leona you know he could just sit 1500 pixels back and and fire curtain calls and you know affect the team with cc the problem with you know this idea of let's give prismal something really long range let's give dark something you can go crazy with is there's a lot of ways to counter those types of bot lanes so yeah. it works really well in a game three where uh where you are where you've already limited a lot of the champ pool of aoe and you can now punish with that range and like you talked about the brand is really fed so nobody can even like walk up like if you try to walk up near a comp with a brand, you're just gonna get blown up. So it works in the vacuum. It looked good in that vacuum. I'm curious to see how they can adapt to it because teams are not gonna let them get away with. You don't get away with Leona Jin very often in uh, in in this meta. Yep. Yeah. So I want to use that as a jumping off point to talk about Team Liquid challengers a little bit here. Um, I guess we're going top to bottom or bottom to top rather. Uh, I I actually kind of disagree with that. They're like appear here i think the thing about both tlc and disguised which we were talking about just a second ago is yeah they're at one win and and, and x losses dsg's at one and three tlc is at one and four but i do think their schedules were very front loaded and i think they have an easier run of it back here and you know that's i guess it's kind of two sides of the same coin right is that neither of them have played mirage alliance yet uh, neither of them have played yeah. Lit yet either, who I think have exceeded expectations, but a lot of folks had pegged as a lower-rated team coming into the season, uh, and who have really grabbed their wins. You know, their wins have been against um, Mirage and, and against Wildcards. So, I mean, the Lit wins have been against other teams that we had pretty low-rated coming into the season as well. So I actually am expecting, like, I'm coming in with the default assumption, you know, who knows how they'll do against some of the other teams, like Fear, who knows how they'll do against Fear, right? Fear is a team that uh, has barely played. But looking at teams like Mirage Alliance and Lit, 
I am going to be predicting DSG and TLC to be able to take those games. And so I'm expecting them to rise up, and I'm expecting teams like Lit and Wildcard to fall down, and for those to end up being the teams that Mirage Alliance is like actually competing with to try to avoid relegation. AoE might be in that category mm -hmm. too. Uh, hard to tell, because they have also only played three matches. Yeah, technically could be. I'm more like looking at it as well with TLC. So I can see them being able to turn around the situation. I don't think their players are pretty that bad. And there's some that some moments where they've shown connection. I think one of the biggest things I'm looking at as well, think because of the scheduling, is the fact that TLC already won against DSG as well. So in case there's like not horrible situations as an areas, right? But like in case of a head to head, already TLC has the advantage over DSC. So I can see that being an impactful matter if they go into the into the last week needing to get an advantage over DSG or having to compete for that relegation spot, I can see TLC having that edge over DSG being important. Then on the other part, I just, even if I think, and I agree, TLC had a lot of their strong opponents coming in at the start of it, they've also lost against AoE. And I think that lost against AoE kind of makes, a, uh, makes it a point that TLC are either really middle of the pack or they simply cannot connect with, with each other. And another issue that I find with them is that I don't think Romer is a, is a strong mid laner in the current NACL. And that's a big worrying trend because if you don't have a strong mid laner, you're more than likely not going to win a lot of games. Yeah, I, I think they're just so lonely. Jenkins has looked rough to points too. Um, I, I think they're solo lanes. It's not to pat myself on the back here from the primer, but uh, I think uh, right now we're seeing if you don't have good solo lanes, uh, you're you're struggling a lot uh, in the current in the current state of the NACL. I, I think I kind of lean towards TLC bouncing back some because I think it, it is kind of like a communicate. We in those first couple of weeks we saw like Keel and Romer like they were just not on the same page going for dives at any point. It seemed like. People, like two different voices were probably going in those columns or some of those later game calls as well. And, you know, that was a similar situation that was happening uh, to their LCS team a year ago, or not a year ago, a, a bit of time ago before obviously APA helped turn that around. But I think with time and an org that, you know, you trust like TL, communication issues and shot calling issues can can be fixed. Um, and if I had to, if I had to pick one of the, you know, the teams that we've been disappointed by most to turn it around, I think I think TLC is is the is the team to pick. Um, with the one caveat being, like TDS said, uh, we need to see Romer perform better for it to work out because your communication, your key, your communication ability can only take you so far. Yeah, I I do think like... just a quick thing by the way. Uh, sorry, Gordo, just a quick thing. I realized also this is the first split post pawn, right? Like this is the first time TLC has not had spawn as a head coach. Yeah, for he's head coach yeah, for the main split. roster. They have Mash yeah. now as their coach. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious how much, like, not only how much Spawn had an impact. Obviously, he's been great for TLC because he's made a champion and being able to turn around a lot of the situations. But it also brings the question of, was Spawn really one of the main things that, like, turned around a lot of the weird situations for TLC? And if that's the case, if Mash doesn't replicate that, are they going to falter more consistently? That's also another question because the coaching staff change may be more meaningful than we think with TLC. 
Yeah. I mean, I do also think, like, it's so hard to tell because they've changed out so many pieces that it's like, you know, is this just a rendition of the team that doesn't work out? Because even under Spawn, right, there's been versions of TLC that haven't quite worked out. While we're yeah. talking about, like, TLC and DSG a little bit in the same breath, I, I do almost have... I think I have a different read than you guys on TLC in that, like, I think Romer individually has actually been quite good. Like, his laning stats are very good. Okay. Is You know, he's, he's ahead at 15 usually, um, especially against, like, when he played against, uh, when they played against Supernova this past week. Like, I think he took Shochi to town. I think he was, like, really, really good up against Shochi in the majority of that matchup, even though Supernova ends up winning at the end of the day. Uh, I think it's the mid-jungle, like, synergy that's been, like, way off. There's been so many games yeah. where, like, Romer and Keel are just so clearly on like totally different pages. Like I remember calling out after week one, like their matchups up against fly challengers. It felt like a lot of that was like Romer would be on the opposite side of the map and they wouldn't be able to get the TP done in time. Like I, I wonder, I don't know how good Romer's English is, but I wonder if that's like a contributing factor here is, you know, maybe he's just not quite uh, able to communicate with his teammates as effectively as he will be later down the line. Uh, you know, this has got to be, like, most of their... Like, it's definitely Keel's first time playing with a foreign-language teammate, I would think. So, you got to think there's, there might be an adjustment period there. Um, like I said, they have an easier back half of their schedule. They haven't played Mirage yet. They haven't played yeah. Lit yet. I think they will take those wins, and I think they will end up climbing up a little bit. They, uh, they already screamed the team that you don't want to face in the playoffs. Uh, because because they're yeah. gonna be they're probably gonna be the lower seeded, yeah. and uh, just not a matchup that you were expecting. They're probably doomed to now. Yeah, I mean they can't do better than five yeah. and four, so like they won't be yeah. up at the top of the table. Um, DSG as well. I think like kind of in that same boat. Uh, in that they were hyped coming in. They are one in three, so not quite as bad as one in four, but still losing a lot early on. This is a team where I do feel like the solo lanes have have kind of been like a bit of an issue. Like I feel like Perry is so used to like having Shochi winning in mid or at least getting pushed in mid and moving around the map and being able to do stuff like that. And then Philip and Faisal were both that for him in the top lane as well during the Cincinnati fear era. Um, yeah. I feel like young has just not been very proactive. He hasn't been bad, but he's been picking, you know, a lot of melee assassins and stuff. And he hasn't really been making a lot happen individually. And then, like, Tenacity, I think, has not... Like, I think this team was built, like, assuming Tenacity would just slam every top lane, and I do not think that is what has happened for the most part. I think, like, his Cassante has been fine, his Aatrox has been rough, and then, like, when he's not playing Cassante or Aatrox, he's playing, like, these weird carry picks that it feels like only he is playing, and they are not working out very well either. No. And just quickly, like, talking about DSG, right? Tenacity can falter. Young can falter. The problem that 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 having two soul laners that falter is when you don't have the third one that can come up for them. And I think that that is one of the biggest issues that this DSG roster had. And I, I'll be honest, it crossed my mind, but I didn't think it was going to be that impactful because I thought Young, Perry, and Tenacity were going to be able to overcome pretty much the fact that their bot laner was a clean already carry. Like, I have nothing against Minui, but he's not a hyper carry. You don't build a team around Minui. You build the team, and then you add Minui on top of that. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that when your soul lanes falter, you need to have someone that can actually carry or become the carry for the team. And the problem is that because it's so consistent that we see Young and Tenacity falter, 
then Mino is not going to go above his job. Like, he's a great AD carry doing his job. Don't get me wrong. I think that he's one of the better cleanup AD carries in the NECL. The issue is that if you in this spot had someone like Sayed or Rockboom, that in my eyes are better hyper carries, I can see DSG being able to achieve more victories. Maybe they would be more middle of the pack, but at the very least, they would have someone that you can put the team on, the, on his back and he can carry the team. That's not Minui. And I feel like that's one of the biggest issues that DSG had. Not saying that he's been playing bad, but simply that he doesn't go or do or do the hyper carrying that tenacity or young were probably expected to do. And that's the part that DSG is faltering with in my eyes. Yeah, and then, you know, just to kind of compound on this, uh, with Gordo's point, is that you then look to parry, but because you have tenacity picking, like, these picks, like, either Fiora or Aatrox, or he's, he's going to play, like, he, Cassante's maybe the closest he's getting to real, like, tank yeah, utility duty Irelia, right now. Darius, and Yone and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he, so it's he's never picking utility. And then you've got yeah, Young, yeah. who's slamming those melee assassins most of the time. And in mid, there's not a, there's not a ton of ways to play utility right now uh, in the current meta. In my mind, you're now pigeonholing Perry to play utility, where it's like, yeah, he can be effective early on. You know, on some of these like utility jungle picks, like you know your Sejuani's and such. You know those types, but everyone knows, you know, a Fed Sejuani is only as good as as. Her her solo lanes are doing so yep. when, when you're when you're when your solo lanes they're picking these carry picks are, are are faltering you can't do much on that utility jungle pick at, at all and it just really just starts compounding those issues um yeah, He's yeah I, I agree wholeheartedly. and yeah i mean i think it's the, yeah. the same thing right is like you know yeah that's like two single target damage your, your utility there to try and find somebody but even vi like, unless you're playing solo queue, like fun, lethality, smurfing, uh, you can one-shot somebody. You're playing Vi to lock them down. You're not playing Vi to kill yeah. anybody. It's more so the follow-up. And I, I do agree, like, I, even though he's playing Xin Zhao, I would love to see him play, being able to play once uh, the leasing that a lot of people have seen him being able to play, right? One of those champions that feel more, yes, the risk is more, is higher, but I'd be willing, at this stage with DSG, I'd be willing to put more risk onto Perry being able to carry than onto either Tenacity or Young. Not saying that they can't, but at the very least, you need to try and find ways to secure playoffs. And if it's already being proven or, or it hasn't worked that your soul laners can carry, put Perry in more of these points where he can be the hyper carry. You can just go for Tenacity, play a bit of tank duty. Yes, he doesn't like it. We know that from 100 Thieves days. But yeah. you need to reach playoffs. Like, the problem is that if you don't reach playoffs, that's the big issue here. And I don't want DSG to disappear because I like Bjork. But bias aside, or uh, not disappear, I don't want DSG to, to be relegated because I like Bjork. But bias aside, they need to find uh, one method that works out for them to consistently get victories and play through that to secure playoffs. Because they have the players to be able to achieve it. Like, their player value is one of the highest in the NACL. The problem is that they don't have a, a cohesive way of playing that can consistently get them victories. Yeah, and yeah. I wonder if some of that is like, you know, they have a narrow as the coach now, and you would think a narrow as like, a, as kind of a big systems guy, right? As like a guy yeah. who's got that LCS experience, who like, 
probably wants a team that can play the standard game most effectively and isn't the kind of guy that wants to like be leaning on these pocket picks and stuff. And I, I think you see that in Manui the most, right? Is we have not seen the like the Manui picks this season. We have not seen the Seraphine, not really seen the Ziggs. Uh yeah. yeah, like he played some Vigar last year. We did not get to see that. Like he has not been playing these like mage kind of picks. Um and the the traditional eighty carry, the only traditional eighty carry I really associate with Minoe is the Aphelios. Uh mm-hmm. and he has gotten to play that. I mean, half their wins have been with him on the Aphelios, uh half yep. being one. And yeah. Uh, yeah it, <laughs> so I don't know. Like I, I wor- yeah, like I feel like this. I get that that's kind of an arrow, right? An arrow probably wants them to like play a more standard game, but like at some point you got to be worried about your employer getting relegated. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah yep. need to need to defend that slot, buddy. Well, the the, the thing is too for like Manui's sake is it, you can't use the crutch of oh this is a meta where you've really got to be playing traditional eighty carries. No, you could slamming Seraphine, uh, farming you do Seraphine. You kind of have bodies. to be playing Varus though. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, some of it. But what I'm trying to say is like Seraphine, right? Yeah. Like slamming Seraphine and fa- like uh, like farming Seraphine bot is is very good right now. I think. I mean, if yeah, you, you play, play Seraphine Senna, right? Yeah, you can play Seraphine Senna easily. So I I I think Seraphine's very very good right now. Is what I'm trying to say. So like, why not throw him on those picks? And then the unfortunate thing, like a conversation that we might have to start having is. Back to TDS's small point, like the hundred thieves issue with tenacity was, oh, okay, he can't really play tanks in the LCS. Let's have him go boot camp, and then he'll go play NACL. Surely he can play tanks in NACL, right? If he can't play tanks in NACL, then uh, wow, there's gonna yeah, be a lot more worry. problems for tenacity uh, as in his career, not just not just disguised. Yeah, well, this is, we were talking about this in the preseason, like the the top lane pool is so strong that like, that too. you know, it's, it's hard to stand out. Like, I think there's stuff to love about most of the top laners in this league and like how good they've been able to be. And yeah, I think like tenacity is one of the ones that has stood out the least out of, you know, like yep. Jenkins has had some awesome games. I think Alorum's been really good on Mirage Alliance. Like, you know, Quacker has had his good. One of the Quacker more salvageable points. Like, Niles has been great. Like Dragoon Dragoon has been really good. Like he's been standing out on like his unique picks, like the Mordekaiser. Like they've all been very big. There's not a top laner in this league that I don't have at least some good stuff to say about. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, and it's just tenacity is one of the ones I have the least good stuff to say about. He's just not been able to show up in this very competitive environment. Is he the worst of laner for you? Like compared to the rest at this point of their lead, right? Like at this point, is he the worst? Hard I can actually see an argument for him. Zim, like I think Zamudo might be the only other one I would Zimudo say. Zamudo and Quacker yeah. have both oscillated between like having really awesome games and having really shitty games. Uh, and Zamudo is on a one to two ratio of those. He had two games where he yeah. looked really good, where they were beating TL, and then I think he's looked bad all the rest. Uh, and then like sit, like Quacker, like game to game, will will alternate between like demolishing Surdy in the one on one and getting demolished and getting... by Surdy in the one on one. Um, so it's like, they're like, they're inconsistent. I think if I had to, like, if I had to pick, like, if I had to go one to 10 for the season so far, I would have Zamudo at the bottom, but that is always going to have that rider that we've seen so few games out of Zamudo. Yeah. But then again, I mean, we've seen eight games out of Zamudo. We've seen nine games out of Tenacity. So, you know, there's, could be more. 
Disguise has played less than half of a season as well already. Yeah, they still have more time to find some ways for Tenacity to turn around, right? Like, but I, I like the expectation was higher, and certainly I want to see a bit more from Tenacity. That being said, I can I can also understand if he's coming back to pro play uh, has made it a bit more difficult for him to, or maybe the realization that he isn't wasn't going to be the stumpiest top laner in the league has affected his confidence could be a case of that and if that's the case then it's a bit more difficult to tackle on the first split back but at the same time like once again if psg gets relegated there's no chance for you to turn around that narrative so you need to put up some performances at this point at the very least yep i, I think so too but yeah i mean it, it, like to to tds's point like i think tenacity's definitely in the bottom half there's no way he's in the top half of the yeah. laners. He and can't be. He can't be. There's way too many good top laners. Like, Sardi clearly has to be in there. Niles has Niles to be in there. Niles is having such a good spot. Niles, Niles is so... Uh, Niles is... Yeah. It's like, insane. If Sardi weren't here, Niles would be the best top of the league. Like, I think Sardi's hard number one. Yep. I think Niles is hard number two. Like, Niles has been... He's just so aware of his role at all times. But we'll... You know what? This is as good a chance as any. We can we can jump all around the standings if we want. Let's talk a little bit about our top teams. Let's talk about like Fly and Maryville. Um, I hate so much. Or what? What team are we going to talk about? Just let's just do, in let's case. Do, let's so let's, let's dive deeper me. into Maryville just while I'm complimenting Niles. Um, okay, but... perfect. I hate so much that they decided to keep the roster last minute. Like the <laughs> two changes are a difference between eighth and top three for me. Like those two changes really make the biggest difference for me, in what Maryville was able to accomplish. Like, Judy and Spyrex were already top three NACL prospects last split. So having them on your team that had good players, but I think they were flacking in the individual player, in the individual, like, player performance, now makes it so that you have strong individual players and strong team dynamics. So they, they, they were just going to be a top team with the way that they, that they had the idea. And I'm just mad that they decided not to show this before I made my power rankings. Here's the thing, though. And I, I do know the obvious response to this. Arguably, the best lanes for Maryville has been Niles. Like, you guys talked to the top lane. And I don't know what the hell got into Zyko and, and, and uh, Scary Jerry. I don't, they're playing phenomenally as well. And on picks, I, I don't know, man. They're, they're smashing lanes that, yeah, like on our power rankings, we've been like, dude, this is... This is a wash. Like, I don't know how they're matching up for some of these. So the obvious the obvious caveat that I'm sure one of you would have said is, yeah, when you have UG and Spyrax, you know, the other lanes are going to get heightened a bit compared to what they would have had before. But I don't know, man. I, I, I thought Zyko was arguably had one of the roughest, if not the most rough, summer split of any player. <laughs> and yeah. now, he, now he looks like, I don't know what's He's gotten to those guys. He's a top support guys. in the league. He's a top support in the league right now. And it's... I will. I, I want to defend Scary Jerry though because I do think that last split he was already putting himself on the top echelon yeah. of eighty carries. Like he's he is, he is a great eighty carry for Maribel, and I think he was the for me he was the best part out of Maribel last year, more so than the than their team cohesion. 100%. He was the best part. So you add to that better players around him, I think he can shine even more, and he's doing that. Yeah, yeah I was... I, my point is Zyko, by the way. That Zyko is the one that is yeah. uh, in that bottom lane that surprises me the most. I, I agree. Like, I think Scary Jerry is the one that, like, is standing out. But I agree that I think he was, like, kind of always super good. 
Um, and he's definitely showing up like a little bit more right now. And I think Zyko is the one who's really evolved into a new player. This split, like yep. a question that I've been asking myself a lot is like, and maybe it's too early to tell, right? We're only 10 games in, they're eight and two, but fly challengers last split was 24 and 12. So 66% win rate. Now they're eight and two, 80% win rate, uh, obviously higher now. Why do I feel like this like Maryville team is more standout and good to me than Fly Challengers was last split when they're both like these UG Spyrax teams and it feels like it should be pound for pound like that Fly Challengers team with Faisal and Masu who's now killing it in LCS by the way and Winsome why are th why were they underwhelming compared to this Maryville team that feels like it should have pound for pound worse players? I think that difference is Zyko. Like that's that it on top of like I think the competition is a little bit weaker. Um, it's also expectation based too. Kind yeah, of, I think the with, expectation makes it. But deal. I mean, they're also just straight up like winning a higher percentage of games. Than yeah, play. yeah. Um, True. Yeah, like they are. They're also like straight up undefeated <laughs> series play. Um, True. But yeah, like I, I think so. Uh, I think some of its weakness of competition, you know. But uh, I, I think a lot of it's how good Zyko's been as well. And yeah, I mean, this guy's just like totally different. The I think it was RMC I was talking to kind of gave this take that like this is the first time. What really put Scary Jerry on the map was he led Converse University to a deeper C-Law run than anybody anticipated them making. And he was having these crazy highlight reel, like, Ezreal plays and stuff. Like, that was what made me aware of Scary Jerry. And I think that's what, like, really put him on the map. And then he got recruited to Maryville mm -hmm. from there. And that became the strongest edition of Maryville University that ended up qualifying for the NACL. But since he's joined Maryville, he hasn't been, like, that big pop-off standout player. And I do really wonder if it's actually a support difference. Because Zyko used to be much weaker relative to the competition, I felt. And when he was popping off on Converse like that, he had Rox nine oh eight as his support, who's like a really yeah, okay. who's like a really notable, like good amateur support, was picked up for the evil Stable. geniuses combine, stuff like that. Like he's he's on people's radars, even though he's not he's an a NACL. Rock. He'll yeah. He he played uh he played on TSM Challengers a little bit last year. Um is where people made. Oh yeah, him, but, he was a, yeah. he was there but actually yeah. as a replacement. He'll probably get another shot eventually. He's very good. Um but yeah, I think I just wonder. Like, I think it might be a little bit support driven there, and I think now that Zyko's kind of not just showing up more, but like legitimately looking like one of the best supports in the league. That's just like unleashed Scary Jerry to be like totally nuts. Like he's been so so good, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really hyped to see where this Maryville roster can go because I mean, like they Niles is also like yep. unprecedented good right now. Like I don't know what got into Niles. Um, since last season, I think he looks way better this season. He's just so acutely aware of his job in every fight, in every engagement, in every game. Like, really stands out to me. I don't know why it stands out to me so much, but there was a... What was that game? He was playing Gnar against... Who did they play this week? Was it Supernova? Yeah, I think so. No, it Maybe must have Supernova? been... No, it DSG. was... DSG. It was against DSG, DSG. I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, it must have been or against DSG. I yeah. think it was, and like Array. It could was, have been Mirage. It could have been, but I think it was DSG. Um, and I think it was Array who was like really strong okay. in this fight, and Niles just like full sends it, 
on the NARS, like, diving so deep into the enemy team, like, one versus five, like, clearly sacrificing himself to be able to get the AD down. And I think he just, like, it's just situations like that. He's just playing so well. He's so aware of his the fact that he could just, like, full send it, sacrifice himself to accomplish what needs to happen in the game. It's just so, it's been so impressive to me. He's just super, he's been really good. It's been really, really I good. I put it. Yeah, it was, uh, I think the it was disguised. Thing, it, it was against Manui's Smolder, I believe. Okay. Ah, it's Smolder. I think the best way to put it, like Maryville comparatively, I think I would make the same analogy made for DSG, but the opposite. Where DSG had the, has the issue that their team revolves around their soul angels being able to hyper carry and they have utility based bottling that is able to be really good around them and try and put the resources around around the rest of the members. For Maryville, Niles is is doing that job. And when you're and you have Yuji and Scary Jerry doing the really well done of carrying the team in a hyper carry manner, then his job is just to find the appropriate timings to facilitate for that. Like you're saying in that five, he sacrifices himself. But He's facilitating Scary Jerry and and you. It was to kill Young's Fed LeBlanc. Spires. By the way, I found the match history, and okay. now I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but yeah, like the, the idea there, right? It, it stays the same. Like his job is not to be the shining star; is to facilitate for Scary Jerry and Juji to get everything going in the team fight, and that works perfectly well because both of those players are performing really, really well. So when you have those two players performing well, and then Niles just need to not interweigh anything or play to a, to facilitate for them. It just makes Maryville be a really cohesive unit. And one of the things that I congratulated a lot from Maryville last split was their team fighting is, was one of the best in the league. The problem is that it was way too linear and predictable that it got pretty easy to discover the longer the split went. Now they still have a really good team fighting power, but they have players that make it harder to predict because they can play at a higher level mechanically. And that makes the team even scarier because now team fighting wise, you have to be on your toes every time. And you have to have someone like Fly C to be able to go against that player wise and cohesion wise. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the last point I, I'd like to make on uh, Maryville, um, which I find very intriguing doing my research is, you know, last year talking about UG, I think some of his best performances for DSG came on, um, or excuse me, Fly, Fly C, Challengers. Yeah. Fly Challengers, uh, came, you know, he was like the guy who was playing like really good utility Ivern games, like really setting up his lanes well. And he was playing, you know, really good Maokai games. He had some great Sejuani games. And then you look this year, right? And you go down, you know, he's played, what is this? Two games of Jacks, two games ten. of Kindred. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. That was my some point. Talia, like he's, some Graves. He's he's played a ton of these carry junglers. Yep. And looks like arguably better. Or well, I don't want to say arguably better because they're two very different types of jungle styles. Um, but he's playing them like up to the level of potentially the best jungler carry jungler in the league right now. And all it really tells me is. If this guy doesn't have LCS offers, I, how many how many junglers do we can we even think of in NACL recently that have shown across in a year span, like a, a time of a year, that they can play that many types of junglers really well? Like I, it's it's insane to me uh, that he he can he's yeah. played. I, and yeah, the metas have changed a bit. Obviously, this is a whole different game. Everyone likes to say it's League of Legends two with season fourteen, but I don't know, man. 
the fact that in a year I've seen him dominate a game, setting up his lanes on Ivern so many times for Fly C, and then come over here and just deleting people with his Viego, his Jacks in the jungle too. I, I, you you don't you don't find there there are LCS junglers right now that don't have the range of that. Now the caveat there is they're playing as way, way higher competition. But my point still stands. I think. Yeah, his status as an import is always going to be his hardest uh, hurdle to overcome. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, I hope I hope he gets a shot eventually. Let's let's talk real quick about Fly Challengers. Uh, I mean, it's so hard to even like come up with anything unique to say about this team. They're so so good from top to bottom. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Surdy is Surdy is what was promised. He was really sick, I believe, in the series up against Cincinnati Fear. That was the one eleven Rumble game, one twelve Rumble game. Um, oh, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, he has been near immaculate. Uh, and I guess he did. He did uh, lose lose to Quacker that one game as well uh, that they dropped mm-hmm. to, to wild card. But I think all in all, he's been he's been very very reliable. He's been very very good for this team. Um, Shaden gets a little hyphy sometimes, but he's been quite good as well. I think Quad is perhaps best individual player in NACL. He's um, won them games. Yeah, and I mean, and that top side is just so so cracked that it's like. Sajed feels like he barely even needs to do anything. Like, I think he is very but, good. I think he got to show it a little bit this week. There is one fight against Wildcard where he's on Vayne yep. and he solos out Aaron Smolder and like such uh, a crucial yeah. moment. That was awesome. But that that's like crazy. the that's like the first and only time Sajed's had to do anything this whole season. Uh but funnily enough, I think, and this is probably my hot take for this couple of weeks. I think Syed is probably the, if not the best, second best player of Flyzy in my eyes. You think so? Like, the, yeah, for me, I think the impact that Syed has on the game, it's not Masu-esque but compared to the previous splits for Flyzy, but I think it's on track for that. Because he, he, like, he's as a hyper carry great, but the impact that he brings to the team, I feel like, is not talked about enough because it feels like he never loses. Like, he's not a guy that you can take advantage of, and I feel like it does bring up so many things for Flyzy that make that makes it really difficult. Like Shading can have high few moments, Serdi can have the one fourteen uh, Rumble game. Syed will never have that, and then he has the potential to hyper carry the game for you because he can be a hyper carry. So well, I think Quad is a fair enough number one, but I, I'm willing to argue Syed is a number one for me from Flyzy just because of his impact to the team. It feels like, and the fact that he's essentially a rookie, a, a true true rookie in this team, and he's delivering like that. I, I guess I'll pump the brakes a bit on that take I, I do distinctly remember in that wild card game uh Sajed or wild card series it was game two um he was playing Ash and they yeah. even made it a point on the broadcast that he was whiffing arrows um <laughs> so he, he he had a rough game too they also they that, give that up was... four kills level one in that game because he doesn't volley yeah, the they bush do. before they face yep. yeah yeah that that was level one shenanigans okay, too fair, fair uh, enough those are, those fair are rookie enough. moments fair is enough. what i was gonna say yeah. right like that, that, that's like a oh yeah. th- that was like ah oh, this is like everyone had in sports everyone goes like what was your welcome to the league moment that's probably Sajed's welcome to the NACL game right there. Yeah, that's fair. Real. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I also want to point out, you know, I you guys probably thought I was gonna do this. He does have Chime as a support, so like he has the best support in my mind to to make sure to help him out and support him the best. I think Chime is the unsung hero, but I would still put uh, Surdy and Quad 
uh, above Sajed. I like the take. Okay, my, the one thing in my head is, is even in that game Gordo pointed out, which I was going to bring up that fight and nobody did because that was an insane fighting mechanic to even find Aaron in, in the jungle too. Like they were, they were fighting a red buff. He's like in the middle like, of four how. people and he's, he's like dodging and he's, skills and avoiding CC to just keep hitting Aaron. It's crazy. Yeah. But but what, what really won that game? It was a fight later where where Surtees Casante gets a four man knockback five and man. just completely know, yeah. was it I think it was, it was all five, was it five? I, I think it was all five I thought it was four I well, remember it's all five I could be wrong Hugh he's that was the game winning I play, think it's actually. four yeah more on the four side as well thinking I, I, I was we'll I was double checking the vod earlier <laughs> we'll but. find the clip after we record. <laughs> My point is, is like even in that Sajet amazing moment, which was the game saving play, what was the game winning play? It was it was Surdy again. That Cassante was nuts. It also was Dark Wings. I, don't, I think uh, Joshi pointed out Dark Wings whiffs a shockwave, and that was basically the game. Uh, he, he whiffed the shockwave right after that, and uh, that kind of ruined it for wildcard. But everyone uh, has their moments. I also hate. I also just you know this entire debate is kind of for fun because in reality, all these guys are just playing like lights out. Like I don't like pitting them against each other for who's doing best because can we really pick one guy outside of a a flu game from Surdy up top that they're that they're really looking like then we didn't expect them to. They should the score line right like the one the one yeah, eleven thing so does bad. does impact you a bit but I agree like Flycy has the crack players and as long as they don't like massively underperform they they're they're just simply so good as a team that it's kind of difficult to difficult to see and. Well, uh, going back to the point, I think Quad has delivered in the way that not maybe everyone expected, but in the same vein, everyone was worried after what happened with Quid. So the fact that Quad has been playing really well, it's a good sign, and I'm excited to keep on seeing Quad. Like once again, yes, they have Jensen in LCS, and I think Jensen shouldn't be replaced just yet because I think he's playing, he's doing great. Mm. But having the alternative to have Quad, who's in a great level as well, and then go up. It's such a comfort, uh, comfortable spot to be in as Flyzy. Because, you know, you have a backup in case something goes wrong in that position. Which is great to have in almost every time. Same for top lane as well, by the way. Like, you have top lane, bot lane, uh, top lane support, and mid lane. In case something goes horribly wrong in the LCS, uh, you have three great players that could just uh, slide in immediately and can be a positive factor. Completely agree. We were talking about wildcard there a little bit. We can we pivot over to wildcard. Um, they started off hot, two and zero. They've lost three series in a row since then. Uh, been at the center of some some trash talk conversations. Uh, <laughs> how, how are we feeling about wildcard? Um, I'm feeling pretty great. I think they've landed exactly where I put them uh, at the start <laughs> of the season. Uh, so. Okay. I, I do want to point out, I know it's been a while since I've been on, on the. it was a couple of weeks since I've been on the broadcast, but I did say after Wildcard went on that like two-week sprint of being at the top of the league that I was like, I'm not going to victory lap it. And then what happens, they, they kind of do end up faltering. So so I, they're exactly where I thought they were going to be, right? I, I felt like they got a little bit disrespected. They got to show why uh, in the early weeks. And now they've faltered a bit. They've had some question it's kind of just to me that they were playing teams where what we talked about they had scrappy win games like they kind of threw some yep. leads like they they started playing teams where it's like you're not gonna get away with that like against fly like fly fly quest fly c like you're not gonna get away with that that game also their win get their one game is like gordo mentioned 
is that a game win? Who knows what the game looks like if, if Saja just volleys a bush or if Saja hits like half of the arrows he's missing in that game, that game probably might not even be a wild card win. And I, I want to follow on that. I'm going to jump on that point because I, for me, wildcard is in the spot where I don't feel anything about them. Like, it's not Maribel level where their expectations were here and then they immediately jumped up. And it's not DSG level where they were here and my expectations went down pretty quickly. Like, wildcard is where wildcard should be, in my eyes, following on Slayer. There's nothing out of the ordinary. They're, uh, I think their place on the way that they've been playing should put them around this spot. I feel, like, and I agree with the, with the idea that they've been disrespected, but at the same time, I do think their initial play was, I don't want to say fluky, but... Uh, the wins weren't convincing enough for me to say that they were going to be a top contender. Mm-hmm. And right now, I can still see them being a middle of the pack. I can see them contesting for top four to, to a certain degree. I can see them being there, maybe. But I, I feel like 6-5 is where I would put them. Because I don't think they're worse than this, but I don't think they are better than this. And I don't see them taking out any of the top contenders that... Simply, the, the upside for these contenders are going to be much higher than what Wildcard appears to be to me. Even if I think Darkwings is probably one, uh, one of the best players in the league, uh, even with the Weave and all that, I still think Darkwings is the, one of the best players of the league. The problem is that I think it's mainly Darkwings, and then the rest have to follow up on that. And I'm not sure if that's enough to go over Flycy, go over Maribel that has uh, so much power right now, go over Supernova that... They are one weird team, but they have everything to just to spike at the right time as well. And I don't think Wildcard has the power to go over it. Surely somebody on this podcast put them fifth, and TDS just said they'll probably be fifth. Surely. I'm just. <laughs> yep. Surely a, a different I, community NACL podcast didn't have their community rank them 10. Surely. Surely yeah. that didn't happen. <laughs> that doesn't happen think, around here. I still think they'll end up sinking down a little bit. They still have not yet played okay. Maryville. They have not yet played Supernova. I think those are going to be some pretty rough matchups. And then we'll see. Like, it's hard. They haven't played AoE or Fear yet either. And that's going to be tough because barely anyone's played AoE or Fear yet either. So I don't know. Hard to predict what that outcome's going to be, right? Like, Fear definitely looked pretty mm-hmm. good. AoE looked kind of rough. But it's hard to tell with such a limited sample size. Like, is that really going to be the case moving forward? But Maryville and Supernova definitely going to be tough for them. So we'll see. I I, I think there's definitely still space for Wildcard to sink decently low. Um, but there's also space for them to kind of restabilize, win some matches, and, and stay middle of the pack. So... We'll have to see what, what the future holds for them. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 just talking to cash in my wild card bet until I know it's gonna it's gonna ring out. So nice. no celebratoriness from me just yet. Let's let's move on to the other big rising team, which is Lit. Lit's got managed to get themselves a couple of wins here. They uh were rated by many to be very, very low. Uh I think they're showing go. up. I think they're like they're they're giving a better fight than I think a lot of people were expecting. Um they took Cincy Fear of three games, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, yeah, definitely have uh, have put a little, have caused a little bit of conversation at the very least. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they're just they're just the most fun team in the league. Uh, we could we could get really into why they are. We don't have to get really why why they are, but uh, I th- I think they're the most fun team most fun team in the league right now for um not just how they play on Summoner's Rift. Okay, per I. 
like I also do like the team dynamic. I don't think they're the most fun just because I have one more favorite, but I do agree they are top the uh, top the right there. And they have players that I'm excited to keep on seeing. Like I don't think we're going to get more chances with lead particularly because I do think that lead may be one of those relegation bound teams if if they are not careful enough, but they are doing a good enough job already, right? Like winning being two two fifty fifty percent the fifty percent is a good way to start your NACL experience. And then if you're able to go over expectations and keep yourself in playoffs, that's already a great advantage. I mean, so once again, I'm really excited to keep on seeing Rockboom and messages particularly because I'm a huge carry guy and I like to see carries being able to get more and more chances. So excited to see how they are going to keep on doing. The problem is that I feel like they may be a kind of, I don't know if this makes sense, but gasoline requiring team and i'm not sure if that makes sense but like the more the, they had a lot at the start but i feel like the longer it goes the less gasoline they will have and it's going to be difficult for them to keep that level up at the very least in my eyes with the NECL. the only advantage is that they still have quite a bit to play for which makes it so that as long as they don't horribly crash five games is enough to try and put yourself over the line which could be the biggest advantage they have over someone like Maybe DSG that has, uh, I think, less games. Or Mirage. Yeah. Or okay, no. So DSG does have the same games. TLC it... has less games, and Mirage has way less games. So yeah, at the very least, above them, they they have better chances just because they do have more games. Yeah, I will say they they really quickly. Sorry, bro. They have the roughest end of season schedule. They do. I think of any team. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah. a, a similar flavor, of the same thing, which is that their wins are against Mirage and Wildcard. So how replicatable will that success be remains to be seen a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know they've got they've got some tough matchups coming up. They haven't played Fly, they haven't played Maryville, um, they have played Supernova, but they're they're gonna have some some tougher matches. Disguised is another one of those. Like, will they? Won't they? Will Disguised be able to take them down and move up? That's what my, I think. But if they're able to, you know, keep beating up on Disguised the same way everyone else has been beating up on Disguised, well, then that bumps them up. Now you're in, like, the three-win, four-win territory, and you can really, like, consider yourself pretty safe from, from relegation. So we'll have to see. I, my standout players are totally different than TDS's, though. I've been pretty impressed with okay. Kizno. I think, uh, like, that Kizno Kindred game that he got to win their series against Wildcard was absolutely That's massive champ, uh, and, and led to some some trash talk as well and uh yeah like, I the think... best trash talk in ACL history please <laughs> let's make sure that's correct <laughs> okay uh <laughs> and uh like i think dragoons like pocket mordekaiser and stuff have been absolutely massive for them as well like that dude is just so aware of of the power of that champ and yeah i don't know it reminds me like I think it was like 2018 2019-ish team liquid where impact was just slamming mordekaiser every game and was like and it's gank me, and I'm going to ult one of you. Like, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's fun when that champ's good. I think it's got a very interesting niche, and Dragoon is the only one really abusing it. Um, so, I mean, I, I hope that's, like, sustainable for them. I don't know if it is, but it'd be cool if it was, because I'd like to see this team continue to to upset expectations. And, hey, uh, if uh, this whole NACL thing doesn't work out, Dragoon might make a, a fortune on um, brain rot meme edits of League of Legends clips. I don't know if he's the one who made that uh that response to Winnie, but uh that video is just is just peak League of Legends. At the very least, it was good. It was definitely good. Um, also, I just to you know, as 
keep in mind I'm a hard stuck like Emerald, a mid mid tier league legends player. But I do play a lot of Morkaiser, and I do know that the Fiora matchup is annoying as hell. And he made it look way easy up against Quacker, I believe. So and he smacked Quacker around with uh with that Mordekaiser. So that was uh or was it Quack? Was it Quacker? Somebody's more somebody's Fiora got got slapped up by uh Dragoon. And uh Fiora can do a, is is actually pretty good at countering Mordekaiser in my mind. It was Phillips Fiora. Oh, okay. you know, he did also play it against Quacker, but it was against Quacker's Cassante. Yeah. And a Fiora, though, so I guess we kind of still Fiora. Yeah, it was Phillips Fiora, so actually not a bad like, I, was gonna say, I, I think someone. I respect Phillips Fiora more than Quacker's Fiora. So. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I don't think Quacker plays Fiora. So, yeah, so, yeah got to give him the props there. Uh, let's. We've been talking around him a lot. Let's chat about Supernova here a little bit. Sitting at 3-1, and one, looking very solid, fresh off a win with TLC. I, I feel like this is like the, other than Fly Challengers, of course, this is the other, like, one of our big, highly rated early season teams that is actually, like, delivered. Like, I think they're mm-hmm. they're yeah. coming together very well. I like, I think Ken v. Shochi have been a very, very strong mid-jungle duo, and I think they've been able to, like, carry that through to a lot of success. I also think Diamond is having a pretty good season. He's kind of yeah, just a rock me. of that roster. Mm-hmm. Well, he like the pro. I feel like Diamond sadly exists in that limbo where he's really good for NACL, but not good enough for LCS. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest problems that he's going to face almost every time, because he can be top NACL support every time, but he just doesn't cross the barrier for LCS to just stay there. And to a certain degree, it's kind of sad, but. He also can deliver when it, it comes into NACL situations. Yeah. And Supernova, for me, I would say, and it, it's kind of weird to say it like this at this point, where we've seen what they are able to accomplish on the side of Fly C, but I, 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 my favorites to win it all are Supernova uh, in, in reality. Just because I do think, like, power-wise, I feel like they have a, a really good core to try and go face-to-face in terms of... Uh, player value but above that like you're mentioning they are coming together and one of the big things that they have over over other teams is that i feel like their flexibility compared to other teams something that not a lot of teams can try and go against like there's a lot of players that can try and play around certain things that other teams maybe not have that deep flexibility and maybe one of their biggest advantage also, the fact that I think that they are a streaky team, so if they can get a really good streak going into playoffs, I can see them just running over a lot of the people. I actually really like that take from UTDS because I think I think Supernova are one of the better teams. Might even be like second best team when it comes to I, I trust the most in big games because of their roster. Um, I mean, you've got guys like Kenvy, Diamond, like you already mentioned, Array. These are all guys who spent some time in or around an LCS team. So they could be like kind of like real veteran, like kind of the rocks of that roster to hold them through into playoff runs. So I actually, I really like that, that uh, take that you could see them winning it. Uh, I I think the one thing I want to say with Supernova, uh, besides the obvious things is, you know, we came into the split with a couple of guys who were, instead of playing NCL last summer, they subbed on LCS teams. uh, And, you know, some guys were in limbo. Uh, I think we've seen, we kind of gotten it, at least so far in this split, proven that that's not a de- that's kind of a good choice because uh, I think Array's looked really good. Uh, Jenkins, you know, 
has had his moments. I, and I, I agree with Gordo that he's not the most of the issue with TLC. And then if we want to even pull like an LCS example, XU's been been very good in the LCS in my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it's good to see that 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 choice hasn't you know scorned a lot of these guys as they come back to playing in a competitive scene. Yeah, important to keep in mind for guys like Tomio too, who are now in that same position uh, on the yep. sub position. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I think that's about most of what we can really say about Supernova. I think they look really good. I hope they yeah. keep it up. I, I want to see a little bit more. Like, Shochi has, I think, given the strength of the rest of the roster, I've been a little disappointed in Shochi so far. Maybe he'll turn it up later in the season. But I think he struggled a lot up against Romer. Um, that's for sure in just this last series uh, when they played up against... Uh, they played up against Maryville. I felt like he struggled against Spyrax. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I'd like to see, I thought he was like a solid number two last split behind Young. I would like to see him get back to that kind of territory and be like, yeah. you know, a real contender for promotion. And I think if he's playing, if he keeps up what he's shown in the first four weeks, I do not think he will be, regardless of how highly Supernova end up placing. Um. But we'll see. He's still got the innovative picks. I loved that he busted out the ADTF. We're all going to be sick to death of yeah. ADTF. Like, we're going to not even believe that I'm saying this in, like, three weeks when that champ yep. is, like, fully embraced and everybody's playing it all the time. But for right now, it's a cool novel lanes. pick that he's on a little bit early. So I'm going to give him yeah, props everyone's sleeping right now. On TF. Everyone's yep. sleeping on TF right now. The ADTF is going to be everywhere in a couple of weeks. It's broken. It's too good. I'm with it. No. I think TF in general is just good right now. Uh, yeah. So, let's talk about... We've only got two teams left, and they're the teams that have barely played any games. They're Cincinnati Fear and AoE. So let's give, like, the best vibes we can about these two teams. Let's chat about Fear a little bit first. Like, I think Fear is really good. Like, I think they're... Yeah. I've been very impressed with how Toasty has looked so far. Mm-hmm. I've been pretty happy i've been very impressed with lens last week i think it was really lens's time to shine a little bit more in the series up against lit because lucian was super good there they only lost to fly challengers and even they were able to take them to three games again that was the that was the surty flu series so who's to say but i don't know if he had the flu i don't know what he said we're just doing the we're doing the michael jordan reference but um <laughs> but it was also the one of the closest flycy games it was uh, like it was. they played um, yeah, and it's like the takeaways from that have been bizarre. Is like, is it is Cincinnati Fear so good? They're the only team that can challenge FlyQuest because they almost won that first game in that series too. Yeah. Like that, when it came down to like a, they were like pushing the Nexus and they couldn't finish it. Um, so it's like, is Cincinnati Fear so good they could almost be Fly Challengers, or is it like, is Fly Challengers absolutely unbeatable? Because the only time they come close to losing is when one of their best players is sick. Like, I I don't know. I don't know what to take away from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Fear stood out to me. I think Fear will end up being pretty good. I think they will finish top half. Yep. Like, uh, I, I want to add on from what I said before, because we're talking about lead being Slayer's favorite team. To me, Fear is my favorite team. Like, I love, I've loved watching them play so far this split. It's enjoyable. They have a lot of action. They don't shy away from fighting. And they also are smart in their approach in certain aspects, which... It's not surprising with a team having someone like Philip, and then also Chad that even though he was on the OQ's last split, he's still an LC, uh, close to LCS, NACL level uh, jungler. So the fact that they've been able to 
accumulate so much power from the get-go. And I've also loved the fact that they played or they formed their team around uh, trying to develop Toasty according. Because I feel like they've given so much room for Toasty to be as free as possible. And that's a great thing to have for a rookie. Like, I, I, by the way, I love the way that the rookies have started in the NACL, but they've opened up so many space or so much space for Toasty to be Toasty. And it's thanks to the fact that they not only have a, a really good rock in the top lane like Philip and Chad being a really good enabler in the jungle position, not necessarily playing supportive, but more so just making it easier for Toasty to be able to just be really free, but also because they have Lance on the back. And I think it's he's one of the any carries that went the most, not unnoticed, but underappreciated in the previous splits, especially with Wildcard, when Wildcard was trying to put a fight against the top teams, it was one of the most underappreciated parts. Uh, around that roster so i feel like the idea of trying to make toast to be as free as possible is really working out for fear and it's going to develop even better i feel like this team is destined to crash and burn though just because like it's not going to be uh, the rose tinted glasses all the way but the idea that they had around toast is really good and i feel like the longer it goes probably for next split is going to be great for the team yeah i, I think they're the Perfect example of the younger guys playing at their at their best right now, because uh, you know I don't I don't know if this is age wise correct, but you know we've known Philip for a while. People who have been around the scene for a minute know Daption, who um you know who he's just been a vet for a lot of eighties right now. I think that's partly I think he's doing a good job with lens, uh, propping him up. So, but yeah, I, I go back to the point where with like Chad and Chad and Toasty are probably the they're probably arguably the two brightest spots on this team right now so it's fun also their their content's also fun uh lit isn't my fa favorite i just want to say they have the, the best content piece but uh i laugh every time they throw up the cincy fear roster and it's all of them in um they're wearing the the grim reaper look they're they're like the grim reaper costume <laughs> they're all, and they're just like doing random silly things i don't know if you, anyone caught that uh also Weird total tangent, but uh, am I the only one that didn't see when they put Crimson on as a sub? <laughs> Crimson is listed as a, a sub top laner on their team Boy, right now on low fandom. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that intriguing. as well. I uh, yeah, I, I don't know, know when actually. they did that, but I guess they did at some point. Crimson was playing. Wait, was Crimson playing? Crimson was playing at OQs. Was he was he was playing for CCG, which is the weirder part too. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. Or yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> I was like, I, I literally com I literally commentated. Yeah, that's over a random one, but interesting. I mean, he must have gotten added once CCG dropped out of OQs because they're... Oh, no, there's... Yeah. Maybe it happened right after they lost to Winthrop. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, oh, I guess I could check because they have logs. I don't know. I'll, fi I'll figure it out in a second. Hmm. Yeah. Well, or, that aside... Or I won't. Um... Oh, yeah, January 11th. No, so CCG was still very much alive in, in the OQs. That's weird. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, it could also just be like somebody just not updating fandom on time, or maybe the rules around that have changed. Who's really to say? Um, regardless, yeah, no, I mean, high hopes for Cincinnati Fear. Let, let's get to AoE to round things out. I mean, I don't know what to make of AoE. Like, I was so yeah. happy to see them take down Team Liquid uh, when they played them last week, and then they came in and they lost to Mirage, the first team to have done so. Uh, so I don't know. I just don't know what to say. I think Wixie looks great, but they've just felt so inconsistent. It feels like from top to bottom, right? I mean, even in yeah. their week one series uh, where they came in against Maryville, 
in the bot lane looked really rough. Although, Maraville, now we know, has actually a quite very competitive bot lane, so that doesn't look quite as bad in hindsight. But then, like, they've just been so consistent everywhere. Inconsistent everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It feels like, like, AoE reminds me of GDS from last year, from spring, where, like, the idea of the team, the players, I can see them being up higher up, but they are just so inconsistent that I just don't know what to expect. Like, I can see them beating Fly C one day and then losing to Lit, just cause. So it's just a, a weird situation to try and put them in. I feel like Wixie is probably one of the brighter spots in Team Rosturn. So I think Rosturn is probably their best player. Wixie has been ramping up better and Onat feels like the more consistent one. Samudo, uh... And then uh, just trying to see what they are going to be able to accomplish. I think they are going to go to playoffs, but it's more so what they will do if they get to playoffs. What what I'm looking out for, for the team. See, I, I am um, I'm not 100% on this take yet because... Like Gordo said about 1,800 times, they haven't played enough games. So maybe I'll yep. maybe I'll circle back to this entire conversation after they play two games. Because I think we'll have a better idea on Fear and AoE this after this week because uh, they both play two matches. So, And they're also both playing two matches against teams where, like, or at least with AoE, it's like they're going to play Lit, who, you know, is, like, down here, and then they're going to play Supernova. So we'll, we'll get, like, a good range, I feel, on, on AoE. Um, but... I mean, it's Rose Thorn and Onad again. You know, last split, I had questions on, on Team Fish Taco. Obviously, they had a lot of top yeah. lane issues that like were plaguing them. But I, I, I can't help but feel like it's a similar boat where those that jungle mid duo is just kind of disappointing for me. Where I, I thought they'd be better and a big part of the team, I kind of feel like they're the ones faltering. Uh, I, I, I think Wixie and Breezy are. I think Wixie and Breezy have been the best part of that team. So that kind of, yeah. so that where does that leave? Someone has to be disappointing with 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 them losing to Mirage. hundred percent. That was not not unacceptable, but at the same time, like you don't want to be the first team to give the the team that loses to everyone their first win. So yeah, it, and they lost could affect morale. Yeah, yeah it could affect morale a bit. I'm not sure how streaky they are. Maybe Samudo is uh, or Onan as well. Could impact that that sort of playstyle going forward. Forward. Yeah, I mean, like Zamudo is the one that I think I come away from most kind of disappointed with, and that he's like he just still feels like so inconsistent and flippy, and it's like I just feel like you you can't be like that at this in this environment of top lane right now. Uh, not just the meta, yeah. but like how good North American top lane is. Um, you know, like that Bradley is in the hyperbolic time chamber right now, you know, he's going to come out and, and probably be really good when he gets back from Korea. He's going to be contending for a spot. Denethor is on his way up. He will be here yep. in the summer. I, I'm still pretty confident in that. Uh, Yujin is a name. It well, is a name. I was going to say people should start getting to know there's, there's some uh, stuff going <laughs> on in the background as we record that maybe maybe you don't need to know Yujin actually yeah uh, but the I mean he has looked absolutely great so I mean like it, there's just a lot of top laners in the North American ecosystem right now um that you just have to be paying your respects towards 
and I worry about Zamudo's future here if he can't, like, find a way to find some consistency. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, you know, we've, we said streakiness a lot with teams. I, I think... I think this. I, I think I figured out the root problem. I, I think I just think a lot of these players on AOE are are very streaky. I, I just think their top side as a whole are all, all, all streaky players, which we've unfortunately figured out. It's just scary to think what what could happen to them if if they begin to go in a losing streak. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, but like I said, I you know with fear and AOE, I'm going to hold a lot of my judgment until, especially AOE, until we get through this week because. Yeah. Well, that's why. Just need more games. First week of first game of week five is going to be lit versus AOE. That that's going to be a really interesting one. I think that defines a lot of like what these two teams are going to look like for the back half of the season. Right? Whoever wins this, I think, is well set up to like stay. Excuse me, stabilize and be comfortable in the middle of the table. And whoever yeah. loses it may very well be doomed to kind of dip down pretty low there, like lit, because they're going to have that tough back end of their schedule um and so you know like aoe is one of those teams that like if you're hoping for like a middle of the pack lit you know you're probably not gonna you're not gonna be FlyQuest, you're not gonna be wild uh maryville like those you probably shouldn't be predicting to win so you need to be winning your matches like this up against aoe to like really solidify yourself middle of the table uh and and likewise on the other side aoe one of those matches that you would expect to be able to win if you are a middle of the table team is is up against lit so if you can't take it here then it's like well now you've lost to mirage and you've lost to lit so it's like who are who are you gonna beat you know who are you who are you actually anticipating yeah. that you're gonna be able to take the games yep. off of to avoid dropping down you know wild card okay maybe that's one but it's not gonna be enough to bail you out and even that's not guaranteed yeah yeah I just need more games on some of these teams. It's so hard to even talk about these last two with how little we've seen. So looking forward to getting to see them a little bit more this weekend, as you guys should as well. NACL is going to be on at the LCS times this weekend. So starting at 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific, however else time works. Um, <laughs> yeah, so definitely be sure to check those out. And we will be back next week to have some more discussions about the game. So thank you, everybody, for tuning on in. Have yourselves a great night. We'll see you next time.